visit and join at patreon.com slash consensus on reality for exclusive episodes, written content and more. I repeat patreon.com slash consensus on reality for horrible spells and artificially intelligent overlords. Consensus on reality. Welcome to another Patreon exclusive. Um, you are episode. hearing episode. That's right. Um, <laughs> you are currently hearing the music of Three Legged Race uh, from a cassette tape called Rope Commercial Volume Two on the label wow. Vitrine Tapes. Um, it's a cassette label out of uh, New York. Uh, Philly City? No, I think uh, the guy actually moved to like Rochester. Um, uh, a lot of pretty interesting tunes on there. Cool. The uh, quote-unquote armchair electronics flavor. Um, Hell yeah! Speaking of interesting tunes, I picked up a Martin Denny LP at the Goodwill. Uh, you know, I can't get enough of him. Actually, as a matter of fact, I was watching some. Uh, interesting live performances of Martin Denny's last night. <laughs> I'm, really, a, I, I'm a yeah. huge fan. I, I like it too. Yeah, it's really weird. And it kind of ties in. I got this real witchy, weird, naked woman painting on, yeah. on eBay right. uh, by oh. this artist, J. Craig Hill. And it kind of looks like a black mass, like naked witch dance. It's like this weird uh, oil, I think, on velvet. And it's, uh, for some reason, that reminded me of, like, a kind of exotica scene that that you had uh, talked about. When were we talking about that on the show? Um, I think we've talked about exotica a couple times, mainly on the Patreon, probably, which is interesting. Um, I think it kind of actually fits into what we're doing here. Um, and and maybe... Yeah. Well, it's it's super hoaxy, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, the short of it is kind of that, um, you know, these these guys who are like uh, almost like cinematic um, musical producers, like uh, and and uh, composers like um, Les Baxter and Martin Denny, um, and then a whole a whole lot of other ones too, though. Uh, started yeah. making these instrumental records. Um, but they they were kind of became regarded as like musical anthropologists, uh, which was not the case at all. Actually, as a matter of fact, they were just like completely uh, imagining fictional worlds, um, which makes the music itself yeah. sound so elusive and interesting. Um, but it's it's not really uh, an actual anthropological uh, examination of a, a place or the the music culture of a place um it's 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 pretty disney it's quite disney actually it's um (laughs) comparatively to like the epcot center of of music um yeah yeah maybe epcot center is even a little bit closer to the reality of things than exotica is man i don't think every time i hear disney i spit on the ground and say disney (laughs) um which I guess makes me a Republican now, in a sort of roundabout way, huh? Yeah, there you go. I mean, I eventually, think... well, yeah, we'll talk about maybe Disney again someday. No, we 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 were just kicking around the idea actually of of um, some some main episodes coming up, um, and our Disney part two is is coming around the corner, I think. Um, but actually, yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, maybe it'll be sort of like a Disney exotica thing if that makes sense that could be, that could be cool i mean play some exotic yeah. tunes um there's a great <laughs> book actually i'm looking at it uh i think i've talked about it before it's by um the music writer david toop uh, oh, yeah. it's called exotica um excellent excellent book uh but today we're gathered here to talk about uh another sort of exotica i suppose um or erotica i guess or erotica, right? Exo- or esoterica. All these ikas, all these ericas. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's uh we're going to talk a bit about david huggins the uh hoboken new jersey artist and abductee contactee sort of visionary um yeah yeah and we're gonna we're gonna also talk about um george van tassel um yeah the the documentary concerning the integratron um which was called what the man who sees saucers is that correct i thought it was uh calling all earthlings calling all earthlings that's right i don't know why i keep thinking that but that's and then yeah that's something else i think that might be one of those valiant thor books or something oh yeah that could be but um but yeah i like that van tassel doc it was uh I love those kind of like, I don't know if you'd call it like Gonzo style, but those kind of like very transparent documentaries where like the dude who's making it and, you know, it's always like, I got involved in this because I was living out of my car or, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's a real, it's a real, it's, it's a pretty slice of life documentary, but it also does go pretty hard into the Van Tassel stuff. Um, I think maybe we'll, uh, good. We'll we'll address that on the on the back end, but um, yeah, it was it was really pleasant to watch both of the documentaries. Um, the Van Tassel one is, uh, as we just mentioned, calling all Earthlings, and the David yeah. Huggins documentary is called Love and Saucers. And that one's getting the Blu-ray treatment soon, which is nice. Um, I saw that when it came to Philly uh, in 27, it was a stormy, dark winter night or something. I don't know. It was in like 2017 or 18. And uh, Phil Mocha had a exhibition of uh, Huggins and a screening slash Q&A with him. And right. that's where I p- picked up one of the paintings, uh, which maybe we'll attach a photo of. It's, it shows up in the movie, too. And I get to do the sort of Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's pointing at the TV. Mm-hmm. Whenever I see the painting, because I'm like, "That's mine," um, and uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a cool little movie. Although I do, it does come across that like I feel like the director doesn't really like buy into Huggins. Like I feel like there's a little bit like it's not often, but it does. Um... It's, it approaches like uh, I don't know. Kitch, like kitchifying David Huggins a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's yeah, it's complicated. It's, it's Derek, the, right? the difficulty but, of like portraying somebody as an artist as opposed to uh, an abductee, right. contactee. I think is is kind of the the threshold yeah. of the documentary. Um, yeah, so I mean, let's just get into it because I think the way that the documentary is broken up actually is yeah. kind of. Um, there's something interesting in there, which is which is kind of a baseline of, of Huggins and, and many other abductee contactee stories. Um, but yeah, David Huggins, I mean, interest, uh, very, very talented painter, which. Oh, which, yeah, that's great. Um, I mean, just like from a form, like the formal aspects of painting itself. Um, has <laughs> I like, love at the beginning when he's talking about his like influences and he's like. He's like, yeah, the impressionists, like Van Gogh, like you know, or whatever, like yeah, Renoir. And he's like, he's naming like all these masters, and it's like, it's kind of, it's so sweet because like, the subject matter is so vastly different, <laughs> but like the the style, you can still see the influence. It's like kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, that's kind of. Yeah, that would be getting into the weeds to argue that the subject matter actually isn't that much different. Uh, you think so? Like, cause it's like, what, what? What's what's the similarity? I mean, maybe you're right. Um. Yeah. I mean, like, well, it's not that straightforward. But the, again, this kind of gets back to what we were talking about in the Andreas and affair of the, mm. the ecstatic, um, connection and redefinition sure, sure. of abductee contactee experiences and that sort of recontextualization through a secular technological society's narrative where we've kind of diluted the old judeo christian or even um pagan um you know adaptations of ecstatic experiences and now there's kind of like a a different more clinical but still very very strange and peculiar um Mm. contextualization of the experience through say the gray aliens and the the kind of like intrusive medical type inspections and stuff like that um 
But yeah, right. no, I th- yeah, I, th- yeah. I think it's interesting to, to point out that uh, Huggins, like his paintings, are actually just formally very, very beautiful. Like the colorization yeah. of the paintings and like the way he uses color, especially to me, the way that he portrays like nature at night. I think is, is yeah. Very I was just gonna say the moonlight is always like yeah. really, really well done. Um, yeah, I've been cataloging this huge like uh, several sources of it but like just a whole bunch of uh art books have come in lately so i'm like kind of like in that zone of like looking at these different sort of styles of art and so it's kind of a cool time for me to like reapproach the huggins stuff because yeah he really is like a like wonderful <laughs> painter um yeah actually it's funny i can yeah. reference this um i didn't realize i could but i one of our guests, one of our Patreon exclusive guests, actually, Nick uh, Stathopoulos, uh, a, a, a very talented painter himself, who we spoke about his yeah. paintings on a, a past Patreon episode, which if you haven't listened to, you could go revisit that. Um, not sure what number it is, but I know the image um, has a, a cool glowing green man sort of looking at its own reflection. Um, when I started watching the, the documentary, I actually texted him immediately and i was like you got to check this out um not because the story's so weird which it is of course but mainly because like this painting's actually reminded me of of nick's a bit um but yeah uh, yeah no that's cool actually because i i yeah that's an episode on patreon so um if you haven't heard that one uh there's some really interesting stuff in there talking about like uh approaching painting from maybe the 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 visionary or the inducing a visionary experience or inducing the strange yeah yeah for sure yeah i haven't thought about that episode in a little bit but that was a fun one that was fun because we were in person and uh right yeah that was yeah we have to do that more soon oh which is another funny thing is when i went to this david huggins thing who did i run into there but uh our off returning guest uh, Mike Bruno. Right, right. Which was kind of funny. Um, before I really knew Mike at all, um, I just met him once or so before, but of course he was there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and we're still, we're still, uh, Mike and I uh, and Ben are, have also still been chatting about doing some on location episodes. One that I, we've mentioned a few times, um, a place maybe you've heard us talk about before is a, uh, a state park in New Jersey called Jenny jump where, um, Mike, myself and some other people we know have all had, uh, strange, um, encounters with aspects of the phenomena in this, um, storied little state park that has a ton, a ton of folklore. Um, I had a strange cryptid big cat encounter there. And um, right after we actually did our, our cryptids episode, like that same yeah. night driving out there. Um, Mike has certainly had some, some strange experiences there. And somebody I know um, swears they saw themselves a little green glowing man. So, I mean, that would yeah. be, uh, th- we're going to try and just bring the recorder out there and maybe, uh, you know, try and do a little impromptu episode around um, a campfire, which I think would be delightful. Um, yeah, that would be fun. Uh, it's a good summer activity or spring or whatever. Definitely. Um, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder what we'll see if we do that. I don't know. Yeah. Even, what the hell are the cops doing out in Bethlehem? There's no action out there. Hunting down Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, David Huggins. I mean, the the documentary kind of starts out with the setting the tone of him saying that you know when he was uh about 17 years old he had sexual intercourse with an extraterrestrial and that's yeah, hell yeah. that's like the kind of like that's meme, the meme, of it, meme yeah. aspect yeah. of the story is that you know david huggins paints these very vivid images of um him getting laid by um yeah, yeah. by uh Crescent. Crescent, the extraterrestrial, yeah. the female extraterrestrial, but then also some very large extraterrestrials. Um, so what's crazy about Crescent is that like most of the aliens he sees are like very traditional greys or like the 
mantis kind of beings or like this sort of little bigfoot guy right but crescent is like pretty much just like a gray alien's face on like a you know like sexy woman body like this like you know and you know like the way he paints it is like this very like you know traditionally beautiful like like almost like a like a sort of figure model kind of bottle or body you know what i mean Mm -hmm. right like like the kind yeah like a I don't know what the word would be like a classically kind of like feminine or, you know, whatever. But then there's a sort of like gray face under like these sort of like bangs. It's like a really striking thing. And you you see this image of his painting of Crescent, like people like use it as like their Twitter profiles, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's really interesting too. the, uh, the the encounters that he has like with with these beings who are all kind of in this group um it kind of runs the gambit of like different ufological um encounters um i think the first of which is with a small bigfoot like uh creature with glowing eyes um it actually reminds me of um the uh it's the characters in, in spirit spirited away, right? Has the, 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 the little glow, the, the monkey like creatures with the glowing eyes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And right. then also in, um, I don't know, uh, a movie that's really cool that, that kind of deals with, um, phenomena and like folkloric visionary experiences, um, is, um, Uncle Boon Me, who recalls his past lives by Epi- right. I haven't seen that, but I've always meant to. Oh, it's it's excellent. It's by um, Epi Chetpong Weir Sethical, who's a Thai director. Um, he's got some really fantastic movies. Uh, yeah. But that one, actually, one of the the beings featured in that movie is like a small, dark-haired Bigfoot with like glowing eyes. Um, so that's right. Kind I've of seen this... that still. Yeah, I've seen like that image. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like this. Um, clearly like a totemic um being in a lot of encounters um and that's the first of which that he sees in the woods uh outside of his parents house in rural georgia right um but then he yeah yeah then he has encounters with uh you know i wouldn't quite say classic grays but um i mean they look like grays except they're kind of stocky right they look like grays, but I think it's interesting that he, he says they're small and he also describes them as like blue. Right. Which that really conjures back to me the um, experiences of Whitley Strieber and what Whitley called the, right. the cobalts, you know? Yeah, for sure. Although they don't, yeah, they, yeah it's kind of a weird thing because in the paintings they look, you know, You'd call them grays, but yeah, the way he describes it. But they appear to have little yeah. blue jumpsuits on, you know? They do, yeah, yeah. They're um, like, which is kind of similar to the Andreessen uh, beings. And I think those were gray jumpsuits, but like the, the whole clothing aspect of the alien abduction thing is probably a subject that could have a whole book written about it, mm. like what the, what the aliens wear. Um, Consensus on reality featured fashion yeah. runway show. Um, yeah. <laughs> Space Brothers get ups and shit. Yeah. Um, let's do it. Um, one, one thing that really stood out to me, too, I know this is kind of a simple detail, but um, David Huggins' experiences, a lot of them come through dreams, and a lot of them are kind of like uh, akin to. Uh, astral projection through like like a sort of like mind portal or something but he says that like one of the triggers of him being transported is the sound of of three clear beeps right i remember that that's crazy and that's like right back to whitley streamer's experiences and the famous three knocks and and then right. that being also this connection to like masonic symbology of the the three knocks and also that disembodied voices uh, thing too. Yeah. If if you remember that episode we did where we talked about some of those experiences people had, and often like that, yeah, the three things. And then you know, beeps or knocks or whatever they are. What a stream it is, because even in in Hellier they have the three tones. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. And 
Yeah, it's crazy. The, I mean, I, I don't know. Three is like a kind of, any of those first, I don't know, t- 10 digits or whatever, are kind of like these primal forces. So you wonder, yeah, if there's like added significance to, to that. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have a lot of Judeo-Christian stuff based in the in the triad, but also like... Right. You know, six six six, and then and then the the witching hour is three o'clock. Um, I think that's kind yeah. of the surface level stuff. But there, yeah, it's strange that in the groupings of three seems to be some sort of initiatory initiatory wrapping. You know? Yeah. Um, something I really like <laughs> about um, Love and Saucers is uh, uh, da- David Huggins' is, uh, obsession with like the I Ching. Right. And yeah. he like he like consults it about everything or at least, you know, they, they film it in such a way as to make it seem like it's sort of like a daily practice for him. Um Yeah, right. I mean a way of him of him um Yeah, uh getting acclimated to the experiences or like defining them, yeah. trying to, to, to find meaning in them, but also trying to it seems like trying to keep the line open of communication. Um Right. He seems, it seems like very naturally, like, it's kind of hard to explain. It seems like for him, the way he's understanding his experiences, it's like very naturally, like in this sort of spectrum of spirituality that he already kind of is practicing. Like, uh, the whole thing seems to be like this holistic part of his life in like a way that you don't often see with uh, other abductees. Maybe it's because he's been kind of like, processing it and painting it and like working through it for a few decades at that point. But like, right. it seems so integrated into his life and it's like kind of like enlightened way or something. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. So he's, he's ushered up onto what he um, sees as being a spacecraft by these little grays. Um, and is that when he first ha- his, has his first sexual encounter, or is that in the woods? I think that's in the woods, actually. I think that's in the woods, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's a lot, yeah. It's pretty comical, because he's like, I couldn't drop my pants fast enough. I was so right. aroused, or whatever. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and, and there's, the whole time, the really strange thing, too, is there's this mantis being that's like a you know giant mantis which is also kind of a totemic thing um i know there's like a maybe we'll get mike bruno to talk about this next time he's on but in uh i think maybe he did talk about it on on an episode before he did yeah but there's a a mantis man um thing that gets cited a lot in north jersey um yeah and it's it's kind of like a classic in in uh maybe like the 80s 90s ufology is is the the mantis type being it's in some film too right they're on a train and then everybody turns into like a mantis yeah what is that it's like holy motors or some shit i don't know i might be maybe. pulling that out but i don't know but it, yeah I, I can envision that yeah um, um <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean i think that's interesting too because it seems like this being in these experiences that he's having is this watcher like sort of recording or guiding like some higher purpose of the sexual activities with him and Crescent, the extraterrestrial. Um, right. It, yeah. The whole, the sex thing is so weird because it's like, that's like the thing about his encounters, like from the like sort of marketing pitch angle. And it's like from the, like the mimetic potential of, of his thing. It's like, this old guy, you know, says he's been fucking aliens, but like, I feel like that's, it's like kind of, cause when they bring on, they bring on a uh, Jeffrey Kripal, the sort of uh, professor of religions, et cetera. And he contextualizes it within like that sort of sexual ecstatic, like the kind of thing we talked about with uh, Emily Russo a bit, like the yeah. sort of limit experience, uh, traumatic like initiatory thing and it kind of does get in in the pop cultural lens it's like david huggins it's like the guy who fucks aliens and it's like it's so interesting um yeah but i mean it's like 
it's crazy too because if you think about things we've been talking about recently like especially the babylon working um and yeah. you know the moon child uh by crowley uh the whole point of those things is to sort of like create an astral child like like bring yeah. something into existence into in the astral realm you know like some sort of right a being of purpose you're supposed to conceive within the astral realm if i'm having that correctly um, but then that's why it's so jarring when like in the in the documentary they're like they show him like all these babies he's created like right because it's not like he's like having these sort of like spooky sexual encounters that he can like tell the lads about it's like he's like creating this like crazy semi-astral moon child race almost like this really right kind of crazy thing no it's it's an odd comparison because um in the case of david huggins it seems more like the extraterrestrials like are like the Amish or something where they're, they're like genetically too pure. So they have to like introduce a stranger to like create a new genetic line or something. But like, it seems more like it's like they need human DNA. I know that that sounds absurd. Um, you know, well, it's just, pretty just, popular, like in the literature. That's often that yeah. often comes up. If yeah. we're if we're entertaining the whole like hybrid narrative briefly, yeah. um, then that's kind of what people imply is that to right. them it seems like they're being harvested for their um, reproductive, uh, you know, potential um, yeah. for their DNA essentially or something, which is like not that's not. Yeah, it's it's very different than like the conception of a moon child or something, which is very deliberate. Um, but is it yeah. is it that different? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I think it's it's uh, if it depends what you think these beings are. If you think they're literal, like uh, physical entities that are from like a very old civilization whose DNA pool has dwindled and who like have reached a level of evolution where like starting to like devolve or something or like whatever it is the sort of uh, uh, Jacob's um, theory is of like the you know hybridization program or if they're like these astral entities that are like in the sort of ancient astronauts except in reverse you know like these are like the giants or the angels or whatever kind of inter intermixing with humanity um it's like a very ancient theme these like and it's even like a you know greek mythological theme like all of these uh divinities and beings from on high coming down and right yeah no the famous breeding with humans like the zechariah sitchin interpretation of the nephilim which is kind of just blown up and and there's like a reoccurring theme on like many many podcasts and stuff but yeah the the that you know one isolated line in um in genesis i guess it's in genesis where uh, you know the the fallen angels bred with the daughters of of man or whatever um it's something like that and, and they yeah it's it basically implies that like you know these beings bred with you know human women but also were the beacons of like um intelligence and like culture and civilization like they taught them you know how to write read and like um you know or even things like wear makeup and stuff like that it's like there's i mean with all that biblical stuff like there's so many different versions you know of those texts um that have different little bits like that um yeah i don't know i mean that whole thing i yeah the whole the whole like literal hybridization program thing uh is pretty fascinating i mean what's the book that um he he gets intruders by uh um who wrote intruders Hop, uh, Bud hopkins. hopkins yeah yeah he gets yeah. Intru- he, he like david huggins purchases um uh, intruders by Bud Hopkins and and after years of, of repressing these memories reading that book he started he starts to like the memories start to flood back in and that's when he remembers all these experiences that he had 
Um, and, but that book itself is, is kind of like a lot of it is about the, um, hybridization program and like, or quote unquote, and like sexual encounters or perceived sexual encounters with extraterrestrials or. And I mean, it's kind of like this, uh, endless thread that you keep tugging on. Cause then it's like how much of the, you know, Bud Hopkins, you know, body of work that he sort of extracted from these abductees, how much of it is a Bud Hopkins creation right. or uh, any of the, you know, the other sort of those people who are right on the cutting edge of the like early ad- abductee literature, how much of that was their own fictions that they're like projecting onto other people and how much are they, yeah, I mean, and it's kind of the same question we had with the Andreasen affair, but absolutely, yeah. And yeah. I, no, I think that's a great uh, seg segue right there, swagway, um, because <laughs> it's like that's it's kind of the way it's broken up in the film too, though, is that they yeah. uh, they afford David Huggins the um, the time to really like talk about these experiences and explore them as if they are you know concrete. Um, events that that occurred within his you know timeline on earth so to speak Um, yeah but then it's it's kind of revealed a little bit um that he did experience a pretty traumatic youth um being subject to being abused by his parents at least physically um yeah it's said that his parents were both you know uh pretty heavy alcoholics and that he you know they were he was subject to being beaten a lot and stuff like that. And he left home at an early age and, you know, then it kind of introduces the idea of a a crucial fiction or, or a traumatic, traumatogenic narrative, um, which I I think is something that's talked a lot about in psychology. Um, when people are, you know, uh, subject to traumatic events, they they create a compartmentalized narrative that sort of screens or masks the actual uh, traumatic events. You know. So, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I, yeah, I wonder if that's actually true. Um, psychology is so interesting. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I feel like we both have read a lot of that from like Jason Horsley's work, and like the crucial fiction thing is a. Horsley uh, coinage. It's even but, like a trope, and yeah. it's a trope in like films and stuff, though. You know? Like, oh, it totally. Like, is. No, yeah. I just don't. Yeah, I wonder if it's. I wonder if it's true. I, I've been reading a lot of like, uh, sort of what would you call it? A primary source, and like people like uh, memoirs of people who claim to have like been given multiple personality disorder by uh, satanic abuse. Right. right. And. And it's it's in some ways a very similar terrain to the UFO abduction thing. Um, yeah, no, I'm forgetting actually her name, but there's that famous artist who is connected to the whole Pizzagate thing. Um, yeah, who paints under several different personalities. Um, in the, right, in the I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember the name either. But right, yeah, her stuff's actually pretty pretty interesting. Uh, yes, the you're not painting. allowed to say that though. <laughs> Because um, they're like, yeah, they're gonna be like, you think that's interesting? You're fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. But I mean, isn't she the victim in the story? Either way, I mean, you can't. It doesn't matter. You can't look at it. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 uh, it's crazy. Yeah, I think. Yeah, like. I mean, I lost my train of thought, but, but yeah, there, there's. No, like, I mean, yeah. you're totally yeah. right. I mean, that's that's the whole plot of jason horsley who was a guest on our show um who has some really interesting works uh yeah jason horsley's prisoner of infinity concerning the the writings and experiences of whitley streber and his own experiences as well um really kind of uh broaches the subject of these experiences being a disassociative crucial fiction created to mask trauma Right, and he, uh, damn, I wish I had the book next to me, but he quotes a lot from this book, like, I think it's called, like, Trauma and the Soul or something like that, but um, I wish I knew the author's name offhand, but, and I've read quite a bit of that book, and it's, like, really 
like the whole idea of these like uh, entities sort of that we create within ourselves who defend like the child that was wronged. Um, right. Yeah. No, that stuff's fascinating. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's like the trope in that fucking uh, M Night Shyamalan shit with uh, Split or whatever, the Beast right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that stuff is is really interesting. Um, yeah, I I just lost my thought for a second too, but yeah. I think um, yeah. Well, I'm gonna actually just so that people have access to this book because it's actually a really interesting book. I'm gonna try and find the yeah. author's name. Truman Soul, uh, Donald Calshed, K A L S C H E D. Um, is it from like the eighties or something or is it come? come this, out of, like, uh, no, this is from 2013. Oh, I see. Wow. Yeah. I was wondering if it um, came out of like behavioralism or something or if it's like, no, no, it's like, uh, I mean, you know, I don't know how legit it really is, but, and it's also uh, the inner world of trauma are his two big books. It's sort of Jungian, but, oh, right, um, right. Yeah, no, it's really, it's, you know, psychoanalysis. And I go so, I, I'm so back and forth on whether or not I think that's all just like, you know, another religion, which is just as valid or not as any other, or whether it's like a science, like all of the, all of this stuff, you know, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, it's, it's interesting too, though, because religion is like, religion kind of, um, it kind of solidifies that theory because that's everybody's like sort of pattern forming yeah, uh, no, cr- crucial mean, fiction of like the trauma of, of human suffering and the human condition. Right. <laughs> sure. No, I think, I mean, yeah, I think all people have religion to some extent. I, yeah. I didn't mean it as like sort of a, no, no, yeah, no, as no. downplaying it as much as like, you know, the extent to which we can like look at it as like a science or, and I mean, you know, I'm not saying I, think there's a strong distinction between science and religion, et cetera. Uh, it's just like, you know, so psychology and psychoanalysis being treated as sort of like a, a medicine, like in the way that, you know, um, yeah. And it, to like, yeah. to chime the conspiracy bell too, obviously this is like the whole theory of, of MK ultra and project monarch, um, right. monarch might may or may not have existed. Who knows? But like um, yeah. people say the whole point was to, you know, uh, basically be able to implant like another frame of mind or a frame of identity into somebody, you know, to be able yeah. to trigger another identity within somebody that could be controlled and co-opted. Um, I don't know. Like, you, yeah, we kicked around that video from the World Economic Forum the other day where the guy's kind of talking about. Uh, reprogramming through the use of games and, and drugs and stuff and who knows yeah, like like, what, yeah what to do with excess humans like like you know after the industri- like the next industrial revolution is going to be a revolution in terms of uh, producing and like refining bodies and minds he kept saying bodies and minds yeah no creating bodies and minds yeah the ability right. to create bodies and minds which I thought was fascinating because that kind of yeah it, it makes the more paranoid aspects if you think about well how how much of us is being co-opted and and fragmented and, and restructured already I mean, but yeah it's that's what i love about uh, jason horsley's work so much is that it's so I, I think this is like a hallmark of like good work is that like i really flip back and forth on whether or not like i think his understanding of the world is like a good one but like right now i think it is (laughs) like do you know what i mean like sometimes i'll kind of be like well there's no way it's like all of this like there's no way our entire society is like a trauma machine that's like made to make everybody fucked up and susceptible to like mind control that can't be like it can't but then it's like i think it might be that way (laughs) yeah i wonder how much of that is like as intentional um you know as you could as you could begin to believe it is um or how yeah. much of that is just by chance and and the es- escalation of of like the the worst parts of human nature through technology right. i i mean 
I think he's got some very, very, very interesting things to say. I think clearly he's also got some very controversial things to say. Yeah. Um, I, you know, uh, but he's an important voice. Um, right. Yeah. That's what I mean. Cause he it's offers, like, yeah. he offers a very like important aspect of, uh, of this, the story of the phenomena, you know? And like, I think it's a very personal, yeah. it's a, it's a very personal story. Like, what what he's talking about right and that's what makes his work polarizing too is that i think maybe to a fault a little bit um his work like kind of speaks about the the personal and the internal as if it's you know across the board sure um but yeah nonetheless that's also what's useful about it too it's kind of like a double-edged sword it's like that's what makes it so incisive is that he's speaking from this like direct experience, but it's also kind of like what makes it uh, not always. It's like con- I don't know, conclusive. Like because it's not even like a very useful word. When you're, no, but yeah, anyway, no, you know, his work yeah. is is very conclusive, which I think that is kind of the well, yeah, obviously that creates like a polarizing nature. But I think yeah, it's conclusive for him. I think we're yeah. we're both always admittedly confused as fuck. We're consensus on reality, you know, like we're uh-huh. pretty much on the fence all the time, I would say, uh, until we, you know, lean into paranoia or lead into skepticism, whichever it is, right. or, or, you know, genuine um, mysticism, which I think is a you know, more pure aspect of it all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't think I could ever have some sort of decisive decisiveness like he does unless maybe I experienced something like he did, you know. Right. That's what kind I think of guides that, it. Yeah, it's good that he came up because I feel like, I mean, the reason he wrote Prisoner of Infinity, which I guess we've probably done an episode about, I mean, or we well, did that we, Schreiber we, episode. We did a Schreiber episode, and, and I guess when we talked the about interview, Jason, yeah. it was mostly about um, 16 Maps of Hell, which is more about yeah. Hollywood and stuff. But he It's a little of both. Yeah. But um, because uh, Jeffrey Kripal is kind of like the voice of reason or, or like the contextualizer in this love and saucers film like jeffrey Kreibel was also the person who initiated uh not that's a silly choice of words here but uh, the person who uh kicked off uh jason horsley's prisoner of infinity book like he right. kind of began writing that as sort of like a rebuttal to uh-huh. a lot of um Kripal's ideas about how like the the nature of like trauma being an initiatory experience and like a sort of the ecstatic like what we've been talking about the ex- right like, the, the strangeness and, yeah. of the ecstatic experience and um, jason was like really rebelling not rebelling but he was like really like pushing back against that and that's kind of like the reason for the creation of this whole like small body of work and not the reason I mean, i'm sure he was going to do it otherwise but he does kind of like start that that book off by talking about his sort of interactions with Jeffrey Kripal about, um, was it because of the book? Was it because of supernatural? It was, it was because of, or like, they certainly had to be because supernatural corresponded. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think it was maybe Jason had read, uh, supernatural or like something, but he had gotten in touch with Jeffrey Kripal and I think it got like ever more, uh, like you know pissy kind of responses to one another about like yeah i think it might have been on like a blog somewhere or something but yeah i remember that being sort of like the reason he wrote this like really incredible book about this angle on the on the abduction and yeah and arguably they're both really fucking good books i've like we both read both of them and like we, we talked about supernatural on um, the Whitley Strieber episode. No, I think it's a great book. <laughs> yeah, there's aspects of that book which f- really freaked me the fuck out with Strieber, yeah. Strieber's experiences, and then you kind of need the the Kripal softer side that kind of like contextualizes yeah. it in a more uh, theosophical or or Jungian sense. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting, man. I mean. <clears throat> It's it's really cool to hear that Josh Cutchin is is writing a book about Strieber because if you yeah, if you think yeah. about it like Whitley Strieber really is like a living prophet, you know? Like he's he's something. I 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he falls into like the category of well, certainly not Hubbard or anything like that of like the huckster religion creator, but like he's he's somewhere on the spectrum of like a creator of a modern mythology, even if he hasn't like given it a church, you know. Yeah, I mean Hubbard created a cult. Hubbard's initial intention was to create a science of mind through Dianetics. Right. But he created a cult. That's what he was yeah. good at. But Strieber <laughs> created like a theology just in right. in like his like communion, you know, like yeah. in that work alone, I think he created, uh, you know, a new set of symbols, a new interpretation of yeah. um, the religious experience or the or the the phenomena or whatever you want to deem it. Um, so it's it's super fascinating that he's still alive and still writing stuff and and. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's why he's this figure that people are kind of like interrogating or at least like uh, re-examining the works and stuff or interpreting them. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't really gotten any interesting or satisfying writing in academia, which I find, I don't know, maybe kind of telling, but that like no one's really engaging with it on that level. It's only like sort of like these sort of like... Uh, I don't know, like, what would you call Jason Horsley? Like, a, he's not, like, fringe in a traditional sense. He's, like, a kind of, like, left-field philosopher. Like, he's kind yeah. of, like, people who are willing to, like, go to these weird places. Yeah, he's certainly an outsider. And Kripal, Kripal's, like, a professor of, he, what, theology? He's an academic. Yeah, I mean, so Rice, he's the only one, yeah. Rice, he's, Rice and, but he's kind of like in Texas, I think. Yeah, he's yeah. at Rice, yeah. So, I guess, yeah, aside from Kripal, I haven't really seen much but maybe i'm wrong um i'm sure there's other shit out there i think that there's probably smaller aspects of academia they're writing about stranger shit all the time and you just don't really realize it but that's true yeah at the same time it's kind of a career killer where you're not going to see like elaine paggles fucking writing about it but i mean at the same time like the american cosmic book is is that's something, but that it has I, to be a psyop. Yeah, I don't that's really. Such a weird book. I don't know what the fuck is going on there anymore. Like, I'm so, I'm so <laughs> confused by that whole story and like the Ryan Bledsoe, Bledsoe family yeah. connection. Um, I don't really know what's going on with that one. It's a weird one, man. Yeah, I don't get that one either. Uh, fucking too many stories out there, man. She'll drive you <laughs> fucking nuts. Sometimes I think I just know too many stories now, you know? You got, like, a little too many fucking crucial fictions going on with all this shit, but... Yeah. Anyway, well, but, um, you know. one, one thing that's kind of funny, actually, I, I also texted somebody I, I haven't talked to in a long time while watching the David Huggins, because I remembered I had a friend who grew up next to David Huggins in Hoboken, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and um, actually found one of his paintings in the trash and used to have it like i used to go to this guy's house all the time um in brooklyn and um he had this painting on the wall and it was like david huggins naked in a in a very dark room surrounded by like a huge u table almost like that twilight zone episode of like mm-hmm. the judgment of that man with like this huge orwellian table yeah. And all of the, just a, like a 30 gray hooded figures um, with their faces darked out sitting at this U table. And it's it's a very, very unsettling painting. And yeah. um, we were kind of talking about it. And uh, we were like, yeah, I mean, maybe he like threw this one out because he like just had to get the experience down and like visualize mm-hmm. it, but couldn't like look at it anymore or something. Like, yeah. Cause it's far darker than like a lot of the other ones. I'll actually post the picture of it. He sent it. He still got it. And he sent it to me. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Um. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe we can wrap up talking about Huggins there and talk a little bit about that George Van Tassel uh, talk. Yeah. Cool. I mean, maybe we gotta. I don't know what we'll do with this. Maybe. I mean, that was pretty good maybe we'll put that on the main cast and then we'll switch over to patreon now and i'll see how the time shakes out and stuff because yeah uh you know i got like pages written here on the fucking van tassel doc and that thing is 
something different but also really really bizarre so um yeah yeah if you're a patreon subscriber thanks so much we really appreciate it um we really try and do at least uh two or three patreon exclusive episodes every month on top of our main cast episodes um we'll we post some writings up here and uh sometimes we do some weird experimental stuff um and just kind of get into some discussions and stuff so yeah we appreciate your support um for this thing we do uh we're, we're still having a good time we're almost two years in now so yeah it's still kind of a young thing but um i'll cue this tape back up for a second speed is down. I forgot this is a variable speed because <laughs> the speed's down a little bit. You know what's pretty fucking hilarious? I just remembered um, that I ordered Prisoner of, of Infinity, the, the paperback and it got uh, stolen from my house. Yeah. Uh, and Philly's kind of a